I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the fifth element, where I highlight the fifth element of hip-hop, which is knowledge. Dead in the middle of little Italy, little do we know that we riddle two middlemen who didn't do diddly. Oh! <laughs> it's sticking the digits. <laughs> first time i'm guest one of the best rappers <laughs> of all time and you just fucking got it out there pronunciation and everything bro it's so that's that, honestly that verse right there is like one of the coldest verses of all time but we'll get to that when we get to that fuck i'm i'm so gassed this is actually the first time i've ever like like worded it out at the speed properly i'm guest oh my days you can't you can't take me off this mountain cloud 10 right now anyway <laughs> That's it. I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. I'm upgraded. You're, you're seeing your boy level up. I'm Charizard right now. Char- Charmeleon's gone. Charizard right now. Uh, <laughs> big pun and Pokemon references. That's what you get on the show, anyway. Hi, <laughs> Ben. How's your week been? <laughs> what have you been listening to this week? Uh, yeah, it's been a rough week. Um, I, I got into, I think, six. Pro- well, I got into a lot of projects, but I'll speak about, I think, six or seven. Uh, Ghost Poet was actually very timely this week. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I grow tired. I'd but like to see what you make think about this. Sorry, what was that? I'd like to see what you think about this. Yeah, I, I loved it. It was my favorite album of the week. Um, okay. For people who don't know Ghost Poet, he's a very deeply introspective and freeform UK rapper. And he gained recognition, at least in Australia, when his debut album was nominated for the Mercury Prize. That's when he came across my radar. And I honestly mm-hmm. feel like he's a truly... He's a hidden gem in the UK market because he has the frank honesty of someone like Mike Skinner. He has the passion of Roots Maneuver. And this one's going to sound a bit weird, but if you know this person post-MTV, he has the poetic ability of Russell Brand. Like Russell Brand, if you listen to Russell Brand speak now, hmm. unbelievable. Like it's just, it's you struggle to keep up with what he's saying because of the words he uses. But uh, sorry, Ghost Poet just, just brings all that together. I've spun it through twice this album. I want to give it more spins, but it's really deep. The song titles alone pretty much tell you what's going to happen here. It's black dogs got silver eyes, rats in a sack, this train wreck of a life, nowhere to hide Mm. now. You know, it's very raw, punishing lyrics if you're suffering from any kind of mental afflictions or any kind of sadness in your life. But as with any punishment, it's cathartic when you push through the initial pain and I really adored this album, as I've adored every album that he's ever dropped. I'm always shocked and awed by the depth of just emotion in his voice and his delivery. I really enjoy it. So I was I had high hopes for this album, and it really lived lived up to them. It's not it's not bangers. It's not trap beats. Like you know, you're gonna go in there and you're gonna listen to some guitars and some spacey beats and some mm. like different instrumentals that you're used to and it's very experimental so it's not a straight hip-hop album but it's a great project uh second favorite was dark lane demo tapes by drake so i would have predicted that this would be my second favorite this week because drake is the master of reading the room and 
it felt pretty much inevitable that there was a gritty, unpolished piece of music that was coming at some point that focused heavily on rap because think about what he's done. Like he did Scorpion and most people said side A was good, but side B was meh. But really it's his singing that's giving him the commercial accolades at the moment. And if you look at what he's done post Scorpion, he's kind of done a bit of both, you know, and Twisty Slide is a great example. Like you put out Twisty Slide, you can't, you can't put out a whole album of Twisty Slides because you're going to get excommunicated. Like people are just going to be like, we don't fuck with you anymore. You're just a pop artist now. So 64% of the album is rap. Seven songs have over 95% rap. And it just reminded me how much I love Drake on this project. And I was going back over his discography to count like his rapping content. I was listening to like Thank Me Now, uh, Thank Me Later, and uh, Take Care. And back in the day, man, Drake was absolutely essential listening when you had a woman around. Like you had to have a Drake CD or two Drake CDs in your car if you were going to go on a road trip with a girl. Otherwise, you'd be listening to Beyonce the whole time and Rihanna, which is not a bad thing. I'm talking like pre Lemonade Beyonce there. I'm talking like pop Beyonce, and. Yeah, man, he it's just here. It's just here. He he has this ability to like just I don't know, he's just it's this his quality on the microphone is, is very it's very jarring and it's very overt. But when he raps, he just puts very simple concepts down, but for some reason they just hit every time. And I felt like Dark Lane demo tapes was him harnessing the energy from his first four projects. He updated the lyrical content a little bit with more paranoia and anxiety and more cautionary tales of success and how success isn't all it's cracked up to be. I really like how somehow he manages to simultaneously make you scared of being successful because of all the backstabbing and all the horrible things that might happen to you, but at the same time, make you wish you were successful more than anything in the world because of how opulent and amazing it sounds. So yeah, I thought it was a really good project. Um, I'm excited for the album, but I assume the album will just be back to pop hip-hop drake drake which i'm not super keen on but we'll see uh mozzie beyond bulletproof mozzie is kind of one of those rappers who was little baby before little baby or young boy nba before young boy nba he was never signed to a major which is probably why you may never have heard of him but he's he, he's always been a legend man he's always dropped high quality projects uh the music is laced with street tales drama uh motion passion he doesn't, he doesn't, the thing I really like about him is he doesn't shy away from harsh truths about himself. And he then demands that same respect and that same code in the people that he comes across. So it, it gives his stories like a really interesting quality because he has his own code. And then he kind of tells about all these interactions he has with people around him who aren't living up to that code. And I love that. I, I really love that. Uh, album is just catchy and deep and I really enjoyed it. Rashid Chapel and 38 Special Ways and Means. It's my thir- first ever 38 Special project, and I was actually pretty disappointed. I I don't think it was a bad project. I guess I just had higher expectations after hearing him on the Benny Joint uh, Sunday School, because I thought that verse was one of the greatest verses. That was last year, wasn't it? Of 2019. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He his vocal tone wasn't the same. I just I don't know. I just missed it a bit. 
I didn't think his lyricism was as good on this project either, but it's still a very good project. I'm not saying it's a bad project. I was just slightly disappointed. Uh, I might go back and check out some more 38 Special because I need to get my head around him as an artist um, so I can understand where this sits in that. And finally, uh, Self-Preservation by Ace Hood. Um, I don't know where Ace Hood is anymore. I, I don't understand. I think Wale has a similar problem. Wale was trending on Twitter the other day. People were jumping on Wale. It was very unfair because, you know, fucking shout out Wale. I want to shout out Wale. I've spoken to him a fair bit, and he's such a nice guy, and he's just been unfairly hated on for his whole career. I, I, he doesn't do anything bad. He's one of those people mm. that people just hate for no fucking reason. I've never seen him really mm. do anything stupid or disrespectful. And even when I tweet about him, people... Mm hate in the comments i'm like shut the fuck up like you're talking about a human and he's genuinely is a human and he, he's gone through some shit so shout out to wale i'm sure you're listening i know you don't miss a podcast um but i don't <laughs> with wale and ace hood i don't think either of them really know what their sound is anymore in 2020 we know wale's last album was great but it was kind of a you know it, it was just I, I couldn't get a feel i couldn't i was there's no bedrock to that album and Mm. Ace Hood back in the day was very gritty. Now he's very woke, which I respect hugely. He's a big advocate for meditation and connecting to your body. Uh, but it doesn't manifest into interesting music at all. And I don't know how he can transform his life situation into... Because he used to be great at it. Uh, you know, when he was signed, with he was around DJ Khaled. And he was, he was doing big things. Bugatti came out. And I thought his music was fantastic. And as he's progressed as a human and matured more and uh, evolved, I guess, his state of being, his music's fallen back. And I hope that he can work out how to bridge that gap at some point because I think that that would actually create something really amazing. But at the moment, this is just another experiment on the on the road to that. So this was a skip for me. But yeah, anyway, that's what I got into. What about yourself? Um, yeah, on the Wale point, I feel like for me personally, I'm just like, I, I don't I don't hate Wale at all. Um, only I've only listened to like one project of his, and I I enjoyed it. It was the album about nothing. I really liked that. Um, but and I actually had like a couple of songs on regular rotation for a minute. Um, I think it was like White Gold or something like that. And uh, something about roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I I don't I don't mind Wale. I'm just like, what's his lane? You know what I mean? That's I know he's thing. like the poet guy. That's the problem. But it's just it's not. Yeah, I don't know. Sis. I just don't know what's what's his USP kind of thing. But anyway, exactly. um, so I listened to a, a when I say a lot of EPs, a, a lot of EPs this this week. <laughs> it's actually crazy. Um, but this one's an album. Firstly, uh, I don't know how to say this, but Tai Two Tai Two O is T Y dot T W Two W O the number two. Uh, Lemonade on a Sunday, Volume One. I was put onto this. Uh, shout out to Caroline, good friend. Um, she just uh, she just flashed it to me, and I was just like, "Go on then, why not?" It was the start of the week, and I had nothing, so yeah, sure. Um, it's actually very, it's actually a very, very prime like bump in the whip kind of music. Like it's uh, it's it's got that summertime vibe, um, it's got a bit of electronic sprinkled in, but it's hip hop beats, um, and it's it yes, yeah, it's, it's super solid, just very summery. And uh, yeah, I, I was just I was just walking the dog to it. I was just like, "Man, I'll be." This is one of those times where I wish I had a whip, honestly, because it was just a it was just a solid, solid listen. Uh, Pinty, uh, Midnight Moods EP. Um, so this dude I, I discovered on Bandcamp. I was just <laughs> it was, it, was a, it got to that point. And I was just like, damn, 
go go through Bankev again. It was that it was that it was that type of week for me. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a Londonist. Um, it's been around for a while, and uh, yeah, this is very it's very interesting actually. This uh, particular project, he it, he put in the description of the project like he uh, record them like you know nocturnal recordings, like late night sessions, da 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 da, and you can clearly get that kind of vibe. Um, but stylistically, it's very interesting. Like he he does he has a delivery similar to like. I think you already said Mike Skinner, but we'll say it again. Um, very the streets kind of delivery, um, but the poetry is obviously very uh, very different. And uh, yes, and and the, and the beats very uh, little little bit little bit little bit housey, but you know primarily hip hop, but a little bit of house elements in there. So it's very interesting. So uh, shout out to Pinty on that. Uh, Mahalia uh, isolation tapes and little little free little free uh, track care package from Miss Mahalia. Um, you know I really liked her album last year and. Um, but for some reason, I just didn't really understand, like, until now, until I listened to this EP, I was just like, oh, so this is her lane. So I feel like Mahalia is one of those artists, like, it's a real throwback. Like, she, these particular songs right here on this particular EP is, like, very throwbacky. They have, like, beats that Craig David would hop on, um, or, like, I don't know, the Sugar Babes would hop on, you know what I mean? It's very, it's, it's got that throwback feel, and uh, she, she really just, um, just, brings back that classic uh uh two you know early 2000s uk um uh, i guess like poppy r&b kind of thing is going on it's it's so she has a good energy when she when she uh when she gets on the track so uh shout out to my on on that good project now this name is glorious this is a glorious rap name merc the big body bends <laughs> that's amazing what a name that before that's a great name she uh, it's just just alone just alone the ten boys for the day, Merc the Big Body Bends. Uh the many faced goddess. Um I got this from a she um what's it called? Uh She Movement. Uh, shout out to Rapstation on that. Um they do like a little uh, you know, charts every now and again and I just um you know, when I when I'm doing my five E track of the days, so I wanna get some like, you know, I do ladies first for the first five, seven days of the month. And uh yeah, I was just trying to I was just searching away and I found Merc the Big Body Bends. Um this is this is a clean uh, clean album. Uh, she mainly talks about you know stuff like uh, relationships and uh, female empowerment, um, but she really just commands uh, commands a track, and I really I really like that about her when when I listen. Um, I forgot the dude that produced it. Uh, if I could find it right quick, King F Sorrow. Shout out to King F Sorrow for the bees. That, that, was, that was solid, very solid uh, project on that. Um, so these are three. These are three. This is three. Uh, two project. Two, Three projects, two EPs, and an album by this one artist. I just decided to just go through it because he's been dropping all year, apparently. Uh, this is Invention underscore. Um, he has an underscore at the end of it. Uh, so Thor, Glimpse, and Decay are the projects. And um, his overall vibe is very, um, it's very autumnal. Um, t- this is, you know, he's he's basically you know chill hop kind of vibes. And the the Thor EP is a uh, via chill hop records. Shout out to them, and the rest of it is um, by himself. Um, but yeah, it's very autumnal, um, very just mood music kind of thing, you know. So you know, lo-fi kind of vibe. Um, y- y- you guys know the meme. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's very solid. I actually I actually prefer the album uh, Glimpse over over the other two. Um, it just had more. Pff, I, I, I don't know how to word it, but just uh, just a bit more gravitas as it, as it pertains to uh, uh, how the songs uh, came through. Uh, no spirit snacks. Uh, that was another. Uh, Another Chill Hop Records release recently. I uh, really enjoyed that one. And Swum, 
It's, it's SWUM, Swum, uh, with Aries as well. That was uh, another Chore Records uh, release. Shout out to them. And also, lastly, Ghost Poet. I, I grow tired, but I did not fall asleep. Um, I was... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you were clearly clued up, but um, I just saw... Uh, it, was, it was that rare moment where I just looked on uh, Spotify's new releases and I just saw, like, I saw that and I was like, I've heard the name, but I don't know what he does. <laughs> so I was just like, come on then played it and yeah that was the darkest shit ever i was not ready. I, was, I was not ready uh, um yeah. especially um the the rats in the sack i forgot the name of it um it's but rough. yeah that was like talking about you know wind rush and the exit and i was just like fucking hell man this is yeah. deep so uh yes yeah, very deep spoken words uh just yeah it's it's, it's very glum um, there's no hope in it at all, <laughs> but, um, in that, in that kind of way, I kind of enjoy it, because it's just very, um, just, ain't fucking about, it's just like, this is, this is, this, this thing I'm talking about is garbage, and you're just gonna take it, <laughs> this kind of thing, it's like, um, it's, it's not exactly clockwork orangey, in terms of, like, you know, keeping your eyes open to it, and just like, you know, uh, um, just take it, take it, take it, and force feeding you, um, but yeah, it's very, it's very enticing in the, in the, in a similar vein. So, uh, that was kind of, that's kind of a fascinating project. Um, yeah, like, like you, I'll probably uh, give uh, another listen, uh, come to the end of the year, but, um, and also going to Drake. No, I'm joking. I didn't. But anyway, let's get into the topic of uh, this episode. Lol, we are lol, talking lol. about what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Lol. Hey, one of us did it. One of us did it. It's all good. One, one of us did it. It's all good. We, we, our credibility still, still exists. We're on top of it. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, whatever's left Uh, so we're getting into well we're talking about Big Pun and I think the fact that we're talking about Big Pun in 2020 right now um, ups our credibility because none of you are nobody is apart from Fat Joe and it's just disappointing (laughs) to me it's super disappointing to me like I you know we're obviously going to be talking about the music but like just as a you know as, as a primer he says on the start, I think, like the first, uh, the intro to Yeah Baby, it's like a little skit, it's like a, you know, Frankenstein kind of a scene, and uh, he was like, uh, what was it, it was like the, it was like Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, uh, Rakim, and Eddie Murphy rolled into one, that's basically what he put, uh, 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 you know, portrayed himself as, and you know what? Yeah, that's pretty... It's not, it's not that, it's not that far of a hypothesis, it's not... It's kind of spot on. It's, um... You can, you can, you can, you can make that argument for damn sure. Like, uh, you know, he has the, he has the big daddy cane speed. He has the cool G rap, you know, gritty. Just, I'm gonna fucking run over you with a fucking Cadillac and then just deal some crack around the corner. He's got that Rakim confidence. Um, and that Eddie Murphy funny. He's a funny fucker sometimes on the, on these lyrics. So, you know, it's just, that alone just should say, and the fact that we can, you know, agree that that is, you know, kind of true should warrant at least not not subjectively right that you don't have to subjectively like listen to big pun constantly right i'm not expecting you any, any anybody to have like you know big pun oh number one of all time but bro as a as objective top 15 if if big pun ain't in your list you might have to reconsider. <laughs> you, you, I think you will have to reconsider. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the baseline I'm leaving right now uh, for the start of this episode, uh, for the start of this particular topic. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get into the music when we get into the music, but uh, we'll leave to Ben where where else we're gonna go. 
Yeah, well, I agree. I agree with you. And um, hopefully by the end of this podcast, the listeners will agree because we will, yeah, we'll speak about the music. I'll just speak briefly about his early life and how he got into music because it is quite interesting. Uh, he was born in the Bronx in 1971. He actually experienced some homelessness during his teenage years, which contributed to his struggles with depression. Uh, as a youth, he was actually very athletic and the stress of a difficult childhood manifested in emotional eating. And, you know, I'll get to it, I'll get to it right off the bat. He passed away because he was overweight in 10, in 10 years from uh, 18 to 28. He put on 580 pounds. He went from 180 pounds to 700 at the time of his passing at age 28. And a lot of that can be tracked back to right. his difficult childhood and the issues he had during his teenage years. He actually, um, he had a car accident, I think it was, very early. He was hit by a car when he was in his, you know, preteens. And he got paid out, I think, $500,000 from that uh, during his teenage years. He went out and bought a house, but it was just a bit of a mess, his, his childhood. It was pretty sad reading what he'd gone through. So I could, could understand the emotional eating. Like I could see why that would uh, manifest in that way. He began rapping in the late 80s. Uh, he formed a group called Full Eight Clips. And he was the, uh, he was, his alias was Big Moon Dog. He met Fat Joe. So he met Fat Joe in 1995. So it was, it was a fair while after the late 80s. You got to remember at this point, Fat Joe is already on. Like, you know, he's already making music. Joe's first album, Represent, came out on Relativity, Relativity and Violator. I think it came out like 93, 92, something like that. But it didn't do very well. Uh, it didn't even chart. Or hit number 46 on the hip-hop and R&B chart, but didn't chart on the Billboard 200. Uh, but Pun meeting Fat Joe was a big look because he appeared on Fat Joe's commercial breakthrough, which is Jealous One Still Envy, which went number seven. But, you know, that was after Pun had dropped his album. Uh, I always thought Pun was the one. This is a funny thing. I always thought Pun was the one who discovered Fat Joe because obviously Pun outstripped yeah. Fat Joe in a lot of ways. You know, he was a better rapper. He was more commercially successful. But it was the other way around. Fat Joe, Fat Joe actually recorded a story. And this, is, this was so fucking interesting to me. He said on his IG, um, I think they were talking about it last year uh, on the anniversary of Pun's passing, because you're right, Fat Joe is very vocal about Big Pun. He still speaks about him all the time. He said, mm-hmm. Fat Joe said of Big Pun, I remember putting him in my Lexus and his crew looking like they wanted to cry as I pulled off. I said to him, don't worry, we'll open the doors with you, then put your friends on, and we did just that. Uh, the first guys I had Pun rap for was Cool G Rap and Nas. He spit with such a delivery, such rapid rhymes, I literally saw them do the bobblehead, like, what the fuck is this? He was the best. And Cuban Link, who was around them at the time, you know, he was part of that crew. He was. Uh, he said he was Big Pun's hype man. He said that Nas worshipped Big Pun after this. He said that he was just, he would rewrite verses after hearing Pun write. Like, that's how good Big Pun was. Hmm. Funnily enough... With mm-hmm. Cool G Rap, it was actually the other way around. Pun, according to Cool G Rap, got down on one knee and kissed the ring on his hand when they met. And G Rap, you know, it's 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 not not uh, it's not out of order that Big Pun compared himself to Cool G Rap because yeah. he identified a lot of similarities between himself and Big Pun, especially obviously the rapid fire, no breath flow. And Cool G Rap said that Pun took it to a whole other level, and. Yeah, we, 
it was like he basically he was on i think was he on vlad he was probably on vlad fucking vlad man i don't know how vlad gets all these interviews <laughs> bro it doesn't make sense <laughs> it doesn't make sense if you are i'm telling he you he was he was on fucking dj vlad and uh yeah just the fed fam just saying it um so imagine the first two rappers you rap for being nas and your idol cool g rap that's crazy you, ha- you go bring bars and he brought fucking bars and he wasn't signed via nas or cool g rap he was through fat joe to loud records and steve rifkin and the thing that really interested me was during this period big pun and cuban link were writing rhymes for joe for fat joe and they were spending time at his house and helping him craft songs as well as being fat joe's hype man at shows and as Cuban Link says, this was really formative. Cuban Link on DJ Vlad, by the way. Uh, this was formative for Pun. And he learned how to perform, how to write and structure songs, how to move within the industry and position yourself as the best possible possible prospect. But I'm gonna like I'll get into something just a little bit here before we talk about capital punishment, because I think this is really interesting. Think about the mid-1990s in hip-hop, right? Hip-hop is exploding mm. into the mainstream via Nas, Biggie. Park, Hove, Outkast, Fuji's, Mace, Wu-Tang, all these acts are really huge and blowing up and they can all really, really, really rap. I really feel like 1996 to 1999 is a truly unique time in hip-hop. We saw in the early 90s that a catchy single could propel you to the pinnacle of the charts for weeks on end. MC Hammer, Marky Mark, Vanilla Ice... Vanilla Ice's album spent like 20 weeks at number one. MC Hammer's spent like 18 or some bullshit, like some crazy amounts of time. (laughs) But by the mid-90s, hip-hop could not coast on one or two huge singles and a mid-tier album. You had to drop heat. If you look at the number one albums from this time, the score, it was written, Life After Death, Wu-Tang Forever, Harlem World, It's Dark and Hell is Hot, Miseducation, Volume 2, those albums are just quality all the way through now if you look at some of the Mm -hmm. top 10 singles of that time and how the albums never really made it the examples of big willie style which went number eight even though it had a huge single uh make it rain by lord Tariq and peter guns had the single deja vu and it only went 38 on billboard 200 naughty by nature had jamboree which was another top 10 single in 1999 but the album only went 22 so you had to not only have the commercial ability to put a single on the radio, you had to back it up with quality hip-hop if you are going to chart. But at the same time, look at it yeah. from the other way. Consider the artists who weren't charting but could spit at puns level, like Cannabis, AZ, Chino XL, MF Doom, Jedi Mind Tricks. So you also had to be able to craft songs and hit the radio. So I feel like never before or since did a hip-hop album need to be packed to the brim with quality to be a commercial success. And this was the climate that Big Pun thrived in. This was it, man. The first Latino rapper to go platinum with Capital Punishment. That was one of the hardest climates in hip-hop history to succeed, and he fucking succeeded. And I think that says a lot about his ability as a rapper. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah, it just it was actually an interesting way of, like, encapsulating it in terms of, like, obviously how you're how albums mattered do you remember, oh, remember those days when albums mattered oh they mattered so much because you go you go out and spend like 17 dollars <laughs> on a fucking physical copy like it, but this is the thing this is what kids <laughs> probably don't know and I'm, I'm saying kids is like the streaming generation what you don't remember is we would hear the singles on the radio right and we had to decide if we were going to go out and spend 20 dollars 
on that album. So if you heard, uh, I don't know, what was that Snoop Dogg song? Drop It Like It's Hot on the radio. And you're like, this is fucking heat, man. But you had to decide, Bang. do I want 20 songs from this rapper? Am I going to spend $20 of my money? Like my fucking whatever allowance I had. Like you save up for weeks for an album. So to buy an album, you need it needed to be fucking good. You, it couldn't just have a couple of hot singles that you would take off and put on a playlist and then it would get sales that way it had to actually be good front to back so back yeah. then it was just different man yeah. it was just so different yeah um, yeah no and you know i obviously the landscape doesn't really um warrant the need for a slapping album front to back like it's not it's not, not now. necessary quote unquote like you can do it and you know people do it just to keep up appearances but you know it's not even it's not even that relevant. Like if you just keep whacking out decent singles, you're good. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, it's actually very fascinating on the big pun side. The fact that most people just like <laughs> most people in his circle, like, cause, cause it's funny you say all that, cause of how like I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say uh, how, how do I word it. I guess like um, thankful for other people. Um, you know, because obviously he wasn't gonna. You know, he he needed that pedestal to just like you know fly off um he needed that landing strip but the fact that but but when you listen to the music it's like he started it all because <laughs> you know it's uh it's funny because um there was a recent uh interview with uh justin hunt and uh, ra the rugged man and uh ra was talking about rakim and like the uh, quote-unquote god aura that he has where like he can be on stage you know just walk around like rakim does looking like a g and everyone's just, you know, fucking loving it. And if any other artist does that, you know, you you're gonna if you're gonna feel some type of way, you're not gonna feel the same in in that space. If you if that, if that other artist is just walking about. But when I listen to Big Pun, I hear like just you, you, if 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 someone said like in a parallel universe like Big Pun started hip hop, I'll be just like okay, because <laughs> because the, the confidence and just the absolute fucking dominance that he has like on pretty much every track he's on, it's just absolutely absurd. Yeah, like the the Fat Joe, you know, Big Pun comparison, which you know a lot of people do, um, because they're you know obviously just so they were so tight knit. It's so, it's so like. Moses level, like parting of the seas, tectonic plate shifting levels of distance between them <laughs> for me. Like, I Fat Joe's cool. Big Pun is just fucking elite, man. It's just absolutely crazy. Fat Joe's it's best verses. Crazy. Fat Joe's best verses were probably written by Big Pun anyway. So, like, what? It's not even a comparison, you know? Like, <laughs> shit. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just absolutely absurd. So, like, when you say that, I, I need to just. Before we get into the capital punishment, which we'll do, I'll do in a set, but I just wanted to just to state how fucking crazy it is that the fact you're saying that Fat Joe found him, and the fact that he put he put uh, uh, him onto Cool Rap and Nas, and Nas had to fucking change his whole game just because he heard Big Pun spit. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. It, 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 you just, you just, I, if you listen to music, you think it's the other way. But the fact that it's that way is crazy to me. But let's just jump right into capital punishment, man. Um, I will just say straight up, like this is objectively top twenty hip hop albums of all time. I will just, I'll just say, I'll just bring that out of there, and uh, you can go where you want with that. 
uh, I think is probably one of the 20 best hip-hop bands of all time. Like, the, 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 the comedy is there, all the lyrics are there, and every single track. Like, every track you can get, like, some quotable fucking nuts. Hmm. Syllables, multi-syllables, the rhyme schemes is absolutely... It's, it's a geek heaven. It's a rap geek mm. heaven. <laughs> it really is. Capital Punishment is a rap geek heaven. If you are a rap geek and you love reading lyrics and all that, go read Big Pun. Go read Big Pun because d- d- that little Italy shit that I did at the start, mate, that's just scratching the surface. <laughs> it literally is scratching the surface. It's obviously one of the best, you know, verses of all time. But, bro, that's not even... There's some shit on there that is absolutely crazy. Oh my days! I'm, while you talk, I'm just gonna I'm gonna look up some lyrics just just because. Yeah, the album is just fucking crazy right now. <laughs> this, the album is crazy. It's uh, it hit number five on the Billboard 200. Uh, it had the single "Still Not a Player" featuring Joe, which went number 24 and basically propelled the commercial success of the album. I agree with Charlie. I, I wouldn't say top 20, but I think it's a certified classic. The only thing that I didn't like about it were the skits, which I felt were pretty indicative of the time i thought they were pretty sexually vulgar and infantile like i okay I, yeah, yeah 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 i didn't fuck with the skits but i mean like yeah. he, he leads off the whole album with beware which is just like a maelstrom of fucking bars and rhymes and imagine this is your first introduction to big pun and he just fucking drops off beware the breath control is just fucking insane it's like this guy has the lungs of fucking neptune or some shit it's just insanity <laughs> He has a, he's, I think the third oh. song, the second song, second non-musical song, a uh, second musical song is super lyrical, right? Features Black Thought. Oh my God. Okay, so oh you're going to you're gonna make the second song of your album super lyrical <laughs> featuring Black Thought. I compare it a lot to Benny getting Black Thought on the plugs I met. If you invite one of the greatest rappers in history and a, a rapper killer, big, pu- uh, sorry, Black Thought uh-huh. is a rapper killer, not, not in a violent way. But he will fucking eviscerate you on your own song because he eviscerates everyone. Yep. You and you call the song super lyrical. You've got to just smash expectations, and yep. bro, they just both fucking they dazzled on that song. I'll, I'll give some statistics because the statistics are crazy. Uh, Thirty-six point seven percent unique word percentage, which is really really high. What's super duper high? Sixty-six point six percent of big puns words rhyme which is one of the highest I've ever measured for a full project. 6.2 rhymes per bar. Think about that shit. And the thing about it was that pun packed so many fucking words into a single bar. It was just godlike. And 43.1% of his bars are punchlines. Uh, I love punchline rap from this period. It really had to be a lot deeper than this. Yeah. And Lord forgive me for saying this, but... Little Wayne post-2010, Big Sean, etc., etc. Like, you, if you have a song called Super Lyrical, you can't rap smoke so much that Smokey the Bear have to bear with us. And that's what Little Wayne was rapping post-2010. So I love you, Little Wayne, and I think you're a top five MC, but this is this on another level. Like, the, the, the mind-bending, insane bars were just fucking crazy. Like, on... Uh, I forget which song it was. He just raps. Listen to this. He raps. That's a mathematical madness I'm on. The savage, the strong, the marriage and bond of havoc and song. This mask is on. As if Picasso laced you. Here's a lot of hateful skeletons locked in the closet of my castle of Grayskull. 
What the fuck is this shit? Yeah. The, yeah, what super the fuck? Lyrical. The only song I didn't really like was Punish Me. Um, and the attendant images of domestic violence, which was I'll speak on it towards the end. But apart from that, uh, twin like twins. Come on, man! Fucking twins is on this album. It's like a, a remix of Deep Cover. What the fuck is that? It's yeah. just you know the funny thing was uh, I don't even remember. It must have been like mid last year, and Charlie and I were talking. Possibly, I don't know how Big Pun got brought up. But I had never listened to Big Pun before in my life. I, I was like, what, 30? And I hadn't listened to Big Pun. And Charlie was like, you've got to fucking listen to Capital Punishment. What is wrong with you? So I said to him, I'll listen to Capital Punishment and I'll tweet about it. And I bet you it won't do well. We agree. Like, we were like, I said, I bet you it won't fucking do well because no one I, gives I him- said, I said, it probably will. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, Charlie And thought- it's depressing that it will. Charlie was like, Charlie was like, I has to. Everyone's got to respect Big Pun. So I'm listening to the album and I'm texting Charlie as I'm listening. Like, I remember I was on the train going to see my psychologist and I'm just listening. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? How the fuck did I miss this? What is wrong with me? I'm texting Charlie. This is insane. So I said to Charlie, I'm going to post the first post of the day, always best post on, on Twitter back then with the algorithm. I bet you it gets less than a thousand likes. And a thousand likes is what you would expect for a good post. It got like 400 likes. And I was just like, "What is wrong?" And it was good. Co- it was a good, actu- actually, a good tweet. And people just, people just have missed this somehow. How have you missed this album? It's fucking insane, man. Like it's one of the greatest albums in hip hop history. So yeah, I, I, I'm gushing now, but I love this album. <laughs> so I've just looked up uh, the. Uh, I think. Uh, wait, I haven't, I haven't found it. But I'm, I'm trying to look up the conversation we had. <laughs> Oh, there we go. This is a big part of the third time. LOL, fucking Jesus. Why are people not putting me in this top 10? LOL, what the fuck? I'm two songs in the Capital Punishment. Fucking face screwed up like crazy. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. But yeah, man. You know, what I, the, the best thing about Super Lyrical for me, right, just on that song in particular, is the fact that they go, they fucking trade bars on the third verse. Like, yeah. bro, I miss that shit, man. I really the the people don't do that enough. Oh, yeah. I I fucking love a I, lo- I love a verse shared like just trading fucking microphone like just oh so fucking raw I love it absolutely crazy. Um, one I wanted to uh just uh uh recite. I'm uh, trying to find trying to find the track right quick because I was looking up super lyrical at the same time. Yeah, like even even when you say even when you're talking about that the fact that you know um. Because uh, I remember I recently had a recently did an interview with a uh, shout to J- Dave James and he was talking about uh, he was talking about Black Thought and uh, the fact that you obviously have to come correct in that kind of fashion and you know I mean I don't I don't know if you, I don't know if you have a winner in that particular in that particular side of the, uh, that particular trade but man it, reading that shit is equal as fuck I can't make a decision the it's so I'll impossible give, the reason I'll give it to Big Pun is just because of his like I know he's he's a big person but he, on the microphone he just smashes I, I always view him like just a fucking sledgehammer just smashing through songs and lyrically mm. if you're lyrically as good as Black Thought and then you have the ability to just fucking take it over the top and smash it that's why I always felt Big Pun probably got him on that because because think about it like the way he raps it's almost like he's a um 
he's almost like the lyrical dexterity is like surgeon like the precision is insane but at the same time it's like a blunt instrument I, I I don't know how you can compete with Big Pun in his best form. The only person I feel like Eminem could probably compete because he can just just fucking go ballistic as well. Notorious Big probably mm. could, but he never rapped as fast as Big Pun. Uh, Black Thought obviously is super lyrical, and his flow is mind-bending. And the thing about Big Pun is he didn't have a huge amount of flows, so... I think if you're looking at a full project between them, Black Thought's maybe going to end up besting him because he's just going to come up with these insane pockets and cadences that Big Pun's just going to like kind of train right through. But uh, yeah, I felt like Big Pun got him on that. That was just my impression. Uh, I'm going to do something from Beware because uh, I think you referenced that track, but it's just fire. Like the first... It's... Bro, he, his first verses are like like pound for pound. Big Pun has like some of the best first verses, man. Like he has like if you were doing a bracket of first verses, Pun would have like at least four because like there's just some fucking mad first verses. Um, where, where should I go? Gave you fair warning. Now you on the stairs falling, and I'm calling out any rapper that I doubt. Smack him in the mouth, throw him in the yoke. Boom, then I knock him out. No doubt, Freddie Fox files twenty shot auto glock. Blow. Benny Blank Puerto Rico style with a twist of black and I'm proud. <laughs> twist your cap and I'm out. <laughs> Sleep with the fish dips for yapping too loud. What's happening now? Niggas is hard as hell. <laughs> but they gargamels. Oh my days. It's I making me sweat just reading it. It's the making me sweat just reading classic. it. Yeah. That is nutty. That is actually nutty. Oh, right. This is going to, yeah, baby, just to because i feel like we can do this all day <laughs> need to move on but yeah let's, let's just jump right to yeah baby and uh your first your initial thoughts on listening to that this is gonna be interesting okay i'm gonna say this so well I'll, I'll i'll set the scene so yeah baby is his only posthumous album uh it dropped two months after his passing so it was one of those albums that we speak about when we spoke on posthumous albums where it was basically recorded before he passed so then you yep. just cobble it together you know after the fact uh it went number three, so it, it outcharted Capital Punishment, so at 179k. I actually prefer this to Capital Punishment. I'm just going to say it. Wow. I prefer it. Okay. Interesting. Now, you can tell the tracks that Pun recorded really towards the end because his breath control is actually a lot worse and he has to punch in and switch his flow up a lot more. But the thing that I appreciated most on this album apart from the almost total lack of abhorrent skids, is how Pun really, truly embraced the shock rap persona. And I felt like, on Capital Punishment, I was getting a bit confused, because I'm like, is this how Big Pun really feels? Like, is, is this like a, is he playing a part? Is this shock rap? Is this, is he just, I, I, I got a bit thrown around, because I, I, I didn't get a sense of him. I, I didn't really understand what the point of some of his bars were they were great bars don't get me wrong but on this i was like oh okay so he's there's there's like a persona like on wrong ones he raps uh cannibalism is living in my metabolism giving him spasms and aneurysms and at baby baptisms that's what my thug's thinking about drinking your blood so i was like okay i understand now um the the other thing that i adored about this album if you think about this for a second pun drops in 1998, Capital Punishment, goes number five, first Latino rapper to go platinum. He has success with R&B singer Joe on Still Not A Player. 
Second album, sophomore album, so tempting for him to just go pop rap like Hove did with the shiny suits or Nas or Nostradamus. He really could have done that. But I felt like on this album, he was like, now fuck that, man. And the lyricism was gritty and raw and dark. And it's almost like he doubles down on Capital Punishment and really inhabits this persona of Big Punisher. And he allows... He basically is committing lyrical murder and he just lets it go free reign. It's like open season on everything and everyone. And it's just a total slaughter. He just scorches the earth on every song. The only problem I had, obviously, was his health issues impacting his flow. Like on New York Giants, you listen to it. And you you, you know you can tell when someone punches in when you're listening. He doesn't fucking punch in. There's like... I, clearly... Rappers don't want you to know that they're punching in, okay? No one really wants you to know that. So we've all listened yeah. to so much hip-hop. We know, mm-hmm. even even in today's climate, we know when a rapper is punching and we can hear it. So even with all the technology they have, we can still hear a punch in. I can't, and back then, it's completely different. It was more overt. On New York Giants, I'm like, how is he not punching in? How is he not drawing a breath? But then on tracks like Leatherface and Wrong Ones, I can actually hear him punching in. And that was like he was punching in to keep that same flow that he was doing earlier. And that was a bit disappointing. For anyone who doesn't know, I don't know if I've explained. Punching in is when you're rapping and instead of drawing a breath on the actual record, you stop recording and then you start again. But the the engineer will make it so that there's no draw of breath or there's no stop so it's it's meant to sound like you're just rapping forever and ever and ever and ever without drawing a breath like a continuous over and over again but in actuality you're punching in you you find it when people rap live the funniest and i I don't want to shit on hove but the funniest is watching um jay-z and eminem perform renegade on top of this building for something i think they did some dj hero thing and Jay-Z's on oh, top yeah. of the building, just wheezing away, like really struggling through his verse, <laughs> off flow, off kilter. And then Eminem gets up there. And you, I can't even rap. Yeah. I've listened to that song 10 trillion times. I can't rap along to Eminem on that song. And live, he just fucking spits it as if it was on wax. And I'm like, okay, you're different. You're a different kind of beast. And yeah, so that was the only disappointment. But I think, yeah, baby, better than Capital Punishment to me. I enjoyed it more. I enjoyed it more. Wow, that's actually... I did not see that coming at all. That is actually crazy to me. Um, a good uh, uh, contemporary example I was like to do with pun- uh, punching in is uh, Kendrick's Rigor Mortis. Um, but... Wow, it's, that, that's really blowing me away. I didn't really clock. It. I didn't really know you liked it like that. That's oh, crazy. I fucking love um, it, man. It's just everything's overt and extra and just crazy. I, I, I don't know. There's no, there's no pandering. There's nothing. There's skit, no crappy skits. Like I just front <laughs> to back, dude. Those skits kill me. I can't do it in 2020. I couldn't do it when I was fucking 14. I, I don't know. It just pissed me off. So I appreciate the lack of skits. Fair, fair enough on that front. I'll, 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 I'll happily give you that. Um, I, don't, I don't know. While it's, while I liked it, you know, it's a, it's a good album. Like I, I just didn't see. I don't put it on the pedestal as I do with Capital Punishment. Clearly, um, I felt like the first couple of tracks were like so, uh, evident of just where hip hop was going at the turn of the, uh, at the turn of the century. 
Um, you know, it just, some of those sounded like, you know, it sounded like Diddy was all over it. That's what it sounded like. It, it Obviously, he wasn't anywhere near it, but just in terms of just like where the landscape was shifting towards, you know, just like, you know, just a little bit, a little bit R&B tinge in, yeah, in, in some that. of these tracks. I didn't mind that. Um, yeah, you know, and I didn't mind it either. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just staying why here. But like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it was, it, it got, it got into that territory a little bit. And you know, well, well, pun still pun in that case. It still, you know, still works. Uh, it was just saying I noticed, um, and I couldn't really get out of my head until maybe around like I don't know, first like I don't know, four or five tracks in. Like after that, it kind of just more settled into what um, I guess a big pun album. Uh, previously sounded like um i love the i forgot what song it was it was uh with the uh i forgot boss man's name uh, uh was it tony sunshine something like that um just get off my dick i love that because you see the you see the track list right and you're like oh this is gonna be one of those terrible yeah tony sex... sunshine because what's the song called my dick or something uh, and you're like oh this is gonna be one yeah of my really, dick one of these really garbage just talking about my dick the whole but it's so funny, funny. Shit. it's funny fucking funny oh, my stuff days. I love that song. Oh, I hope to sing that to someone to, and they do not know the reference at all. I'm just going to go, get off my dick. They won't <laughs> know so the reference. It's so fucking glorious. Um, so, yeah, when I when I saw like Tony Sunshine all over this, I was like, mm, where are you going to go with this? Um, but no, it's, it's, it, it worked. It really, it really worked. Yeah. Um, obviously, like I mentioned Cuban Links on here, MOPs on here. Yeah, that I've got was a thing with I got this. I got this thing with MOP. I'm just like, okay, what thing? Can you? Do you have to keep this energy up, twenty four seven? Like, can please. you not just chill out? <laughs> what was that album? Little Fame was on an album earlier this Take year. A breath, just, guys. Like they just popped up. Shouted. Oh, I fucking love it. I love their energy. It's just crazy. I don't know how I would listen I do to too, like. Too, but like it's project. the same with Meek Mill. I'm just like, guys, take a. Chill pill, it's okay. Yeah, he doesn't chill out for a song or two or even a verse, but it's just constantly shouting. I was like, Oh god, mate, it's so oh, it's it's crazy for this, it's so tiring sometimes, but anyway, as long as at least it was only one. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, was very, it's very feature heavy, which I was kind of like uh worried about. Um, I listened to it today for the first time, that's kind of where I'm coming from, just to say. But yeah, I thought I was kind of worried, but you know, I I enjoyed it for what it was, um, and the fact that you know, on the last two tracks he just put Remy Remy Ma on, and I don't know the history of Remy Ma, but like it it sounds introductory the way he you know the fact that the first, one of the tracks called Miss Mine, it's just you know he, she 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 oh God, man she's she's underrated. She really oh, is. She's, like, she's got some bars. She's always been. She underrated. really has. It's 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 a bit it's a bit criminal to be honest. And um, I don't think she I don't early. think she's been treated by the people uh, in the manner that she should have. But um, regardless of that, man, it's just everyone everyone really puts in work on here. Um, everyone really fulfills their uh, fulfills their roles. You know, Prospect as well, Donnell Jones, um, Sun Kiss as well, um, and obviously Fat Joe on the last track, which I was kind of fat. I was I was kind of fascinated by. I was just like, only one track. Wow. That's crazy to me. I t- didn't see that coming. But um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a solid album. I'm 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 not I'm not your level where I'm like this is better than Calvin. Far from that. But um, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely recommendable. Definitely worth a listen. And there's some funny shit on there as well as always. So uh, yeah, man, it's 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 super solid. 
Yeah, I'll just talk really briefly about the other two projects. Uh, the album by Terror Squad, which he popped like up compilation on. albums or something like that, isn't it? Oh, the album is a group album with Terror Squad and Endangered Species is a compilation. Oh, right, okay. Uh, on the yeah, album, yeah. he which is the album, that's what it's called by Terror Squad. He performs six of the th- on six of the thirteen tracks, and yeah, he just basically scorches everyone on there. He's the best rapper, bar for bar, who's ever been part of the group. So the album is hit and miss, uh, which you expect. You know, it's a group album. Um, Big Pun was actually integral to this album actually even dropping because Fat Joe was kind of struggling as a solo artist until Capital Punishment dropped. Fat Joe's first album didn't chart, and the second one went 71, and he only had two singles make the Hot 100, and both of them were outside the top 75, and Capital Punishment went number five, and Terror Squad kind of took off, so Joe's album Don Cartagena went number seven, and uh, yeah, so that, I would, you know, it's an okay album, the, the album, but it's, it's a bit messy, and Endangered Species was a compilation of kind of random pun tracks, like demos, uh, unreleased stuff, guest spots, and kind of like a greatest hits as well. It's not as big mm. a mess as you might think. You know, it's it's 24 songs, I think, so it looks long, but it's only an hour and 13 or an hour and two or something, which is long now, but back in the day, that wasn't super long. Uh, the only thing I really took away from this album was just how fucking talented Big Pun was and how much potential he had. Like, the song Mama... He's just such a bop, and it's like it's proof he basically exists on any beat, any melody, any style. Uh, how he roll with the shanty, like uh, I, th- I think people should listen to this because if you if you're really interested in Big Pine, like it's just it kind of is a bit of whiplash, like you get pulled back and forth. But um, mm. I enjoyed it a lot, man. I think when you when you really like an artist and you just hear them in their natural habitat, especially on demos and stuff like that. You just say, "Oh shit, man!" Like it's really exciting. You don't always want the polished album from them. You want to hear what they're like at their grittiest or at their most experimental. And I felt like that was mm. what this this project was. Did you ever? Did you listen to it? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a. It's a bit. You know, it's posthumous. Like you know how we feel yeah. about posthumous shit. It's um, just, yeah, it's, it's, com- it's how it is. Yeah, it's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a completionist, so I listen to everything. But anyway, um, I do. I. Th- I I do want to speak on the domestic violence because I think it. we have a right or a responsibility and a right to speak on this. Right is the wrong word. I'm sorry. Responsibility. Uh, so Big Pun met his wife, Liza Rios, in junior high. They began dating in their mid-teens and stayed together until his passing, and they had three children together. Now, the violence began way before Big Pun blew up in hip-hop. Um during the Combat Jack show, rest in peace to the legend Combat Jack, Liza yep. said they they began this this violence began around 1990, and that Pun was a genuinely angry person. Uh, there's that very awful video that circulated of Big Pun pistol whipping her, and then Liza said she actually pulled a shotgun on him after that, and she describes their relationship as love hate. Uh, also, that a lot of Pun's anger came from his mother and her issues with addiction. These weren't isolated incidents. You know, he pulled a knife on her once. She even had a black eye, she said, picking up their marriage license. I don't really know what I can say about this, except that it is never okay to commit any act of violence against a woman. It's not something in my life I will ever understand. And I'm not trying to throw Big Pun under the... like. But, I mean, 
I don't I don't really know what well, to say about that. Like it, I I said last week or a couple of weeks ago that I can divorce the artist from the music, but when we're doing a retrospective. Yeah. I have to take in the whole lens. Like, if we were doing an XXX retrospective, I can't just do it on music. I have to speak on the shit that he did, you know? And at this yeah. stage, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know why men hit women. I, I don't get it. Like, it, maybe... I had a friend once who said... She's a psychologist. She said they're just... They're people with violence in them. And it's really hard to rehabilitate. Like, I've been punched fucking hard by women. One girl hit me so hard on the nose it bled for like an hour afterwards. She might, I think she might have broken my nose. But I didn't... I don't know. I never thought to put my hands on her. And I understand it happens. And I don't want to just dismiss any male who has ever hit a woman and say that they're not worthy of even being alive. Because I've had friends in my life, one in particular, who actually spent time in jail for domestic abuse. And he changed his life around completely and turned it around. And I respect the ability to do that. But uh, Big Pun's abuse of his wife is a dark part of his life and career and something I struggle with. Um, I don't really know how to how else to deal with it, you know. Uh, it happened. Yeah. It, I guess it doesn't affect me personally, so I can disengage with yeah. it. But I just want mm-hmm. the followers to know that at no point am I ever condoning any kind of behavior like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, it is always something that has to be accounted for. Um, I think we did do it, uh, you know, we did it a different way uh, when we did our Dr. Dre retrospective, but that was only because we, you know, most people knew, um, uh, you know, most of Dr. Dre's story, and obviously Stroud Compton came out a few years ago, and that's recently, you know, still contemporary work, um, and the fact, and you know, the whole you know, furor around that film was the fact that, you know, it's just, you know, there's nothing about Michelet there, and, you know, it's just, it's just how it is, just how it is, and I understand, you know, it's a, it's a film, you can't have, every, it's a biopic, especially, you can't have everything in there, um, unless you're Selma, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those, it's one of those things that we always have to, you know, take account of, and the fact that, you know, these people that we, you know, celebrate for whatever reason, um, you know, whether it is creativity or, you know, political leadership, whatever, right? Um, it, there, there's there's lives past, you know, the profession. And um, like you said, I think it, we have, a you know, always a responsibility to, you know, just say it happened, but, you know, it's just, it's just how you can, you can, you can draw your own conclusions to that. Um, you know, I'm still account for that and you know i'm still i'm still cringe at those those skits it, they are cringe um even probably even worse than cringe i think i don't think cringe is the word but um you know it's it's awkward um and uh but you know i don't i personally uh like i don't i don't want to say i you know make it and make a complete mental effort not to remember what he did you know what i mean it's, it's it's still gonna be there but you know it's not gonna stop me from enjoying the bars for, for what they are and uh actually froze me in right smoothly uh to the lighter note uh i have two um ben knows the first uh second one but the first one is uh is the uh, uh happy birthday to the goat james brown another artist where <laughs> he had his he had his problems um he had those domestic violence and uh, issues he had uh, those you know just uh, abusive even even on a creativity standpoint a little bit drill sergeanty a little bit abusive 
um, on on that front as a band as a band leader. But the dude's the most sampled artist of all time. Hip hop wouldn't exist without James Brown's influence. Uh, we wouldn't be talking about we wouldn't have this podcast without James Brown in some fashion. Um, dance music wouldn't have been revitalized if it wasn't for him. It's it's absolutely crazy to me, um, and it's one of those it's one of those things where like you know you have to paint a person uh, with as much as much I guess uh, as much coverage as you can, uh, but also you know. You can you can remember the you can remember the good stuff. You know, I, I played the play I played the the payback today. I was jamming to that. My head oh, was just a smooth, boom boom, bow, bow, bow. It's, it's bang it's banging, it's absolutely clean, right? But you, you have to, in some ways, just at least a minimum in your own knowledge bank, acknowledge the fact that these are people that have their own issues as well. And you know, unfortunately, take out on other people. Um, so that that's just how you have to. I think we have a duty, I guess, in that case, to not see the good, not not to see always the good side of people. You know, and I, I don't think that's that's even uh, even that doesn't sit right with me. You know, when when someone's just like, oh, he was a he was great in every way. You know, what I mean, it's like. Um, I was re- I was listening to an audiobook recently about Nelson. Uh, well, not no about Nelson Mandela, but there was a chapter on um, the difference between how we see Cuba and how we see South Africa, and it's very fascinating. Um, but in, even in that case, it's just like how do you um, how do you paint that picture? Do you allow you do you allow yourself to be told by different people um, how it is, or do you allow your or, or do you Give yourself the permission to look up, you know, to to look up this person or this uh, uh, constituency, whatever, or you know, it doesn't have to be a person, but you have to, you know, have a have an ability to look uh, beyond the good stuff. Look beyond the payback, and you might find some uh, very harrowing stuff. Look past the twins, and you'll find some harrowing stuff, like we've already said. So um, yeah, that's that's. Regardless of all that, um, and I didn't want to make we obviously didn't want to make this morbid, but um, here we are. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things, and uh, you know, it's it's up to you guys as you know individual beings to hold yourself accountable to gain as much knowledge as you can on whatever subject you feel, um, bad and good. Yeah, it has to be both. Like, can't it can't just be good all the time? It really can't. That's not how. That's not how the universe works. That's not how we work. It's just not in our nature, you know what I mean? So, um, but, you know, in that case, victory is always written in the uh, eyes of the winner and uh, rarely the loser. So uh, that's just how life works sometimes. But anyway. Yeah, I agree entirely. I think that was well said. Uh, I think we have a responsibility to the victims of, uh, you know, this kind of abuse to remember that it existed and it happened because, you know, it's part of, it's part of their lives. It's a huge part of their life, and it must be an incredible struggle for them to see their, you know, the person that hurt them be so successful and so revered. The thing that interested me about the big pun thing was his son Chris Rivers dropped a freestyle in 2018 where he was, you know, pretty mm. pretty critical of his father and and trying to remind people that you know he's a legend. 
but he also did this you know there's a there's a, a duality to that and yeah i think whilst we don't every time we bring up an artist we don't have to say he also did this i think we have to ensure that everyone understands what happened because i think that needs to we need to have that respect for the victims because you know we don't want to whitewash their experience. We don't want to act as if it never happened. We don't want them to be relegated to just, you know, sitting in silence while we gush. And that, that was the disappointing thing about the Dr. Dre uh, straight out of Compton thing was just like, you know, you, how can you leave that? Like, I mean, it's hard to put in, but at the same <laughs> <Yeah>. time, <laughs> you've got to put it fucking in. You've, you've got to acknowledge that that's part of his history and it's not even to tear him down that's the thing we're not trying to tear these artists down and say you can never make music or we can you're not allowed to appreciate the art of this artist because they've done these things in the past it's not about that it's It's not speculative yeah it's about having respect for the victims of of what's happened and um and their their trials and and yeah so i think that's that's the key in this whole thing yeah for sure all right, well, on an actual genuine light note, um, I posed Ben a little challenge uh, just out, just on a whim. I just thought about it the other day, and I was like, hmm, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good possible light note. So uh, the challenge is, uh, what is your dream? Uh, one rapper, one producer collab. It can be an album or a song, it's up to you. Um, but I just uh, thought, I guess like an EP or an album, that's how I thought of it, but up to you, if you had specifics. You know what? the main one would be is fucking J Electronica and Just Blaze. Like, I just wanted that so fucking badly. It would have been a whole project and it would have been super fire. And I'm saying the words super fire with no... uh, It's not hyperbole. It would have been fucking super fire. Or even get J Elec in a room with with Alchemist for a whole project. Or someone like Kenny Beats. J Elec is the perfect Mm. person for one a dream rapper dream producer collab because you get him with the right producer and it just turns into fucking flames and i that was that was the one that first came to mind because alchemist is my alchemist is the the producer i would always go to in my dream producer collab along with just blaze because i think they're so unique and i just love them as producers i really love them and i also think that especially with just blaze he hasn't done a lot of one like i'm just producing this entire album myself you know, he, he never really locks into a whole album. I think it's because his yeah. energy is so high. Like, if you listen to Freedom by Beyonce and Kendrick, you can't have a whole album yeah. of Freedoms. That, Epic, al- that yeah. you know, that's going to be... Or a whole album of Show Me What You Got with Jay. <laughs> yeah, I got I got Clown by the, the other day. I did my um my Kanye West versus Jay-Z battle uh, on Twitter and Instagram. People were like, why would you put Show Me What You Got? I'm like, you guys are dumb. <laughs> You guys are too young to That's remember when that shit hit. Tune, That's a bomb tune, man. Because that that song is fucking flame. So yeah, man. Jay Elec, I got a kind of a dream one with Jay Z and No ID. I think that was a definite dream. Um, yeah. But I would love to hear Hove and Just Blaze lock in for a seven song EP. Or imagine just a imagine that imagine a Jay Z, Jay Electronica, Just Blaze eight songs. Those three, fuck. That would be fire. Anyway, that that that's mine. J Electronic and insert legendary producer here. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Uh, I'm going a bit left field, but uh, I think you'll you'll understand it once uh, once once I explain it a little bit. So, well, producer's pretty simple. Pete Rock, right? Yes, legend. With Davia Barley. Now, I am one of these people that's yeah, like you like him. On you think the, he spits? I I'm like you lot do not understand how fire Davia Barley is on bars. Like yeah, you, he yeah. is is proven. That he has gone bar for bar with Nas, okay? He, he he has a level, okay? He he has the skill, okay? Now, if you combine those two, a native Jamaican, you know, reggae dynasty artist, right, in Damian Marley, and then you have Pete Rock, who has these dreamy hip-hop beats, always slathered in the absolute premium, literal digging, crate digging, uh, samples and you know Pete Rock has a Jamaican roots as well you know he's just going to find those absolute reggae gems and then just slap some decent drums on those so Damien could just go fuck off it's absolute just in my mind it sounds like perfection to me like you got those reggae samples you know or the dub samples whatever Pete Rock wants to go, whatever road he wants to go down to that front <laughs> and then you have David Marley just like oh god absolutely crazy to think about so that that's my that's my uh, i think that's my dream one just from a just from a cultural perspective that'll just be absolutely they'll just bring so much of what i love into one beautiful thing and i think like they could easily just like get on seven eight tracks together 30 minutes enough time absolutely no time on that one it's great oh God. just taking out of my mind Ugh. filthy i think but I think uh yeah. straight fire straight fire straight oh, fire. It's, um, just before we just before we go i have one thing um yes so i tweeted this morning about lollipop by little wayne and how it went number one it was like one of the first songs with heavy auto-tune to go number one and they were talking about death of auto-tune by hove which came out in 2009 and someone said to me name a song that aged worse than death of auto-tune <laughs> and i can't Think of a single song that aged worse. I mean, obviously there are songs that have horrible bars in them, like really homophobic. Like like Ether is a is a garbage song. It it aged fucking horribly. Oh, f- you're you're gay. Like Jay Z and Cockerfeller Records. Come on, man, shut the fuck up. But Death of Auto Tune, bro. There's no worse aging song than that. And Jay Z's tried it. Jay Z's tried to stand on that song so many times. He's like, no, I just wanted to say. That you can still use auto tune, but you just can't overuse it. And the kids, are, bro, no, it's just like you didn't do anything. It's it's like thirty thousand times more rampant now. So I can't think of a, a more uh, clunkier song that is eight and ten years. Only ten years ago, eleven years ago, and it's still out of date now. Like that song aged terribly. I can't think of a worse song in terms of aging badly. In defense of Defa Fortune, um. I wouldn't say age poorly because I can still bust that. I, I I still think it's a good tune. The, f- the beat is fire. I, no idea. Yeah, Shout out. yeah. The beat is fire. My problem with it is is that hardly any. Uh, it's the same with uh, Nas's hip hop is dead, right? Both oh, of these yeah. tunes like ha- are making this declaration, right? But they only do it for the chorus or like well, just like I don't know, death or a tune moment of silence. It's like 
the rest of it is just has nothing to do with the topic at hand. It's just like the incendiary uh, title of them that people are just going like, "Ah, oh, fuck off!" Da, 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 da. But you know, I'm 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 personally not one for Autotune still to this day. You know, I still don't really. Apart from maybe like I don't know, maybe like Terrace Martin who does it well. I I can't really. There's mo- there's not there's not many times where I feel like Autotune is like, oh this this really upgrades the track for me. You know what I mean? I just it never upgrades it to me. It either plateaus it or it makes it worse. Um, I can't I can't really think of a I can't really think of a contemporary track where I'm just like, man that Autotune, mm, that was that was the icing on top of the cake. That was really what made the song the song. You know what I mean? It's just I don't fuck with it. I just don't fuck with it. So. In defense of Jay Z, that song, that had uh, he had he had good intentions, um, I think in my in my view, but yes, it didn't really uh, pan out. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. it really, it fell on deaf ears. It fell on deaf ears. Let's just say that it fell on deaf ears. I'm gonna shoot Hove some bail on that because I think with the lyrical content in the verses, he was kind of like, you know, this ain't for C100. I'm gonna send this to the mixtape Wheezy. Um, this might offend my political connects. Like he's saying. I'm gritty. What does he say? Um, I'm a multi-millionaire. How am I still the hardest here? Like, I like that. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, you guys, are, you guys are softening it out with all this auto-tune crap, and I'm still, I'm, I'm the hardest, the, the most hardcore rapper in the mainstream, and I've been doing it for 13 years, and I'm a multi-millionaire. So I understand, but yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think of a song where auto-tune, like auto-tune peaked in 2008 with 808s and Heartbreak. I've, I can't. It's like when someone just does something so perfect, like Nas with Illmatic. It's like you're like, wow, Nas really peaked in 1994, and it doesn't mean to me that Auto Tune has been bad since then. It's just like you can't really compete with perfection. So yeah, but anyway, I thought that was funny. It's like death of Auto Tune, and now it's yeah. But anyway, because <laughs> yeah. Hove always yeah. prided himself on killing off trends, and he just could not do that one. That's for sure. Yeah. And he also killed the trend of uh, colognes, from from what I hear. But uh, and uh, you know, it's funny you say uh, multi-millionaire hardest one here. Um, you know, and then he did four forty-four. Funny how life works in it. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this has been Digging in Digits. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We shall see you next week. Well, hope you all, right. all have a good week. <laughs> God, so do the fucking outro again. Yeah, like, <laughs> I hope so too. Off. Yeah, we 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 hope you have a good week. I uh, hope you have a good week, guys. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in the digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for this show is Piece of Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Hop Records for the ability to use. Socials for the Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Hop Records will be in the description where you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits. Digging in the Digits.